0: Good morning, Spags. We normally don't see each other at this hour, and now in the cold, hard-lighted day, we are doing splash play. Well, once
1: we saw it, it was rainy and snowy out on the East Coast. We knew we had to be up bright and early to do a show today, but it's Divisional Round weekend, four games to talk about. We also have a two-day NFL DFS slate that, quite frankly, I'm not the most thrilled with. And we are going to talk about, I don't know what else we're going to talk about, Pete. So let's just do the Intro (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I am Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend of mine, Pete Overzet, as Lucas points out, 6.30 a.m. on the West Coast. So we are thriving in the sunlight here in the morning, Pete.
0: Well, I mean, it is nice that you moved out here because now we have this in play because there was no chance in hell when you were in L.A. that you'd be doing this at 6.30 a.m.
1: Well, I did do the Osimo shows at, like, 6 or 6.30 in the morning sometimes. And I I thought they were good quality shows, but I think (laughs) that, like, the bit has to be, like, oh, we're waking up Spags to do a show. And I just do a
0: show, like, I don't know. Yeah, that guy's pretty good at 3K. (laughs) It reminds me of, I don't know, for some reason where it flashes me back to is – like high school basketball practices. Sometimes our coach would make us come in and do them at 6.30 or 7 a.m. before school. And you're just always dragging ass uh, at those. But then once you get gone, you're like, fine, it's fine. We're here. And and now I'm not having to practice uh, in the afternoon. Are you one of those people that like, you know, I'm, there's always these articles about like CEOs and their traits and
1: it's like, oh, I wake up at 4 a.m. And I get in a nice breakfast and read in the newspaper and like athletes too, they'll talk about. Waking up at 630, you know, the, we all know the first guy to the gym, last guy to leave kind of tropes. But do you believe that actually matters? Because I think you'd be just, just as functional, just as hardworking, getting going at 10 a.m.
0: I agree with your take. To me, it's more about how you manage your time. And I do find it easier to manage my time in the morning um, that there's far less distractions. Like if I'm trying to carve out two hours in the afternoon to do something where I need to be hyper-focused, it's really hard for me to do that in the afternoon. I will generally try to block that off, uh, for the morning. So I do appreciate a good morning routine, but yeah, some of these guys are insane. What did you just mention the Mark Wahlberg one, you know, where he gets up at like three 30 AM and starts doing two workouts. Like some of those are just absurd.
1: Well, it's like the hustle culture to an extreme yeah. where it's like, yeah, not only am I working so hard, I'm depriving myself of sleep to show everyone how hard I'm working and maybe just work a little faster, like save yourself an hour on the day get that extra hour of sleep.
0: Yeah. I, I guess I'm guessing for those guys at some point it is the routine just becomes so strong that they, it doesn't even feel crazy to them. I mean, waking up at 4am sounds insane, but if you do it a month in a row, then it's just your new reality. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure that'll be my, my reality <laughs> coming up
1: a month and a half, but I am with you on that one that I, I admire everybody out there. Who's up in an early riser. It is not me. It, it seems like it's maybe a little more Pete, but uh, that's because the NFT world, it's like the good morning thing for you is just, you're carrying it over now and self-actualizing.
0: That's right. Yes. The, the GMs are actually, they ring true this morning. I actually do feel like we need to greet each other with positivity. Well, we need some positivity over at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. We're
1: packed for 99 cents a week. Playoff DVOA rolled out and they're chronicling. If you are a historical football fan, some interesting takes uh, from our guy, Aaron Schatz, who is the founder over there and the editor-in-chief, breaking down some of the historical playoff DVOA performances that have been uh, the most standout. I think the Niners were number one at that 44-3 game that they had had against the Giants. Uh, But some interesting stuff over there, so go check it out, footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. I think that particular column is free, but everything else, there's a lot of great data behind the paywall in front of the paywall. So go check it out. 99 cents a week at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. And of course, make sure you're following at Splash Play Pods. So you'll never, when we're doing an episode, including these random ones that are coming up because no show tomorrow. Today, we're doing an early morning one because as mentioned on Monday show, Pete's going to be a big California boy having a good time, enjoying himself out there, getting away from,
0: this is fucking disgusting weather. Like you don't get this kind of weather in LA. I... Whenever you say big California boy, I like picture a caricature version of me in a diaper eating a California burrito on the beach or something beats <laughs> big trip to California. Um Yeah, I, I was looking at the weather in Tahoe. It's very cold, but it is uh, sunny skies. So um yeah, I don't think I'm getting much different uh, weather, although hopefully better scenery. Tahoe's like a luxurious
1: cold though, where it's like cold, but it's like deliberately so. Whereas here, I I was looking up like French drains for our backyard because it's just muddy and gross and the dogs go out there and it's like, that's not Tahoe. There's never been a, a hint of mud in Tahoe. It's just rich people having fun in hot tubs.
0: Yeah, uh, there are lots of different versions of Lake Tahoe. Like I've done the ski trip version. I've done the summer trip version. This is actually a new version. This is just going to an Airbnb and degening and watching football and playing poker. Uh, So yeah, uh, lots of different ways to do Tahoe apparently. So the D jetting will start with the divisional round and let's talk about Monday night football
1: real fast. And if you're watching live or after the fact, please hit that like button it helps us out a bunch and probably wakes us up too. Um, the Rams eliminated the Cardinals 34, 11, a limp effort that saw cam Akers seize back half the backfield workload. Kyle Murray, uh, Kyler Murray implodes on the big stage once again. And besides that, Pete, not the most fun game to watch kind of just the slog throughout where the Cardinals, uh, one of the teams that we did invest a little bit in best ball did not come through at all. And, uh, just a downer of a showing here. I feel like from two teams that should know each other better. And I don't know what you make of the Arizona error at this point, but um, the Rams clearly the better team, more fun matchup, I think against the bucks, but the Cardinals to me, they started so hot. They were a Super Bowl contender. And now you see them just that limp effort on Monday night, the first Monday night wild card game ever. And it's just, I, I think you got to be embarrassed if you're a Cardinals fan.
0: Yeah. And I think what, you know, uh, got all of us is their fast start to the season where Kyler Murray was a legit MVP candidate. I was just even pulling up their box score. They they cleared 30 points in six of their first seven games. Like this was one of the funnest, most explosive offenses in the league. And then they just turned into a pumpkin. Um, You know, even looking at some of these games, getting walloped by the Lions, I felt like that was probably the canary in the coal mine of, all right, this team isn't who we want them to be. So yeah, in retrospect, it looks fairly obvious obvious that this team peaked way too early and was not ready to go on a Super Bowl run, but it seemed like all of us collectively had just kind of hoped, Can they turn it back on? Because we knew the potential uh, if this offense got going, but yeah, it was a very uninspired team down the stretch and uh, yeah, the Rams definitely exposed them. Do we think,
1: and I, I, you know, Deandre Hopkins, I think we've talked about on this show enough throughout the year, a guy that just wasn't spiking that upside. That's me. You know, when I was running my projections, as I've talked about just never popped up in a meaningful way, like you'd expect a guy like DeAndre Hopkins to, given the you know the track record what he's done in previous years. This year, he was just kind of a cog in that Cardinals' offense. But I do feel like him not being in the receiver room was not great, or just not being available on the field, like whatever it was. Like this team had no fight at all in that game, in a way that felt pretty pronounced to me. And that's going to come down to coaching, and you got to put a lot of the blame on Cliff Kingsbury's table, I think. But I do think having no DeAndre Hopkins, like a guy who we know is a gamer who cares a lot about what they're doing out there. I feel like that could be something and it's not really a hard data point because he wasn't doing a whole lot again in that wide receiver core, but you're like not having them out there just to me
0: kind of flattened them out in a way that I I feel like they weren't prepared for. Yeah. And I, Cliff has gotten the fake sharp stuff a lot this year. And I I definitely have come to agree with that take. He seems very stubborn with how he runs his offense where he wants to, he has his vision for it and it doesn't matter who the personnel is. It's like, all right, we're down Hopkins and AJ greens out. Well, we'll just put Antoine Wesley outside and we'll just throw to him as if he's Deandre Hopkins. And it's like, is that really the best way to run your offense or should we be, you know, scheming more stuff? For Chase Edmonds and Rondell Moore, and getting those guys into space and, you know, playing to the talent you have. And it just never seemed like he was willing to maximize whatever personnel he had at his, at his disposal. And it was a lot of their, you know, downfall did coincide with DeAndre Hopkins, you know, leaving the lineup. And, you know, as one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, he, I think, helped pull a lot of attention and open up other things. So, yeah, I think the combination of Nuke, Cliff being a fake sharp, not being more inventive. Um, yeah, I think those two things kind of put a nail in their coffin. Even some of the success they've had in the past with Christian
1: Kirk, like I, he was actually pretty good. I think he was one of really, to me, one of the bright spots since Hopkins went out, but they really stopped using him the same ways that he had success in the past where no bubble screens for him, none, none of these like kind of short dig and dunk throws. He ended up being more of a downfield guy, which is great if you are hitting those throws downfield, but not as great when you are just looking for any way to get the ball into space and something that could be useful. And I, I was actually f- saw Christian Kirk on an Instagram story. He's dating <laughs> some like She's not like an influencer, but like as somebody who I think was on the cusp being an influencer and then stopped. Who I'm still following from I think my Barstool days, some Middle Eastern girl in like Arizona, and then she was feeding him like. (laughs) Can I just
0: say that's the most spags anecdote ever?
1: (laughs) I mean, like it's a total non-story too. It's like oh, this girl I follow on Instagram is dating Christian Kirk.
0: Jesus.
1: point being Pete, uh she, she is like she has enough followers where like it's not following a random girl who's dating an athlete to be clear okay but she, she was trying to be famous at some point all right go ahead thanks anyway so she made him like a like a greek bowl or something and i just it just was just on my feed and like he's just there sadly eating a greek bowl and she and he's like uh just just like this just like crestfallen and she says something to the effect of he likes this more than it seems <laughs> it's like oh. christian kirk is just <laughs> depressed <laughs>
0: Well, there you go. Uh, Nothing like waking us up in the morning, then scrolling through uh, Christian Kirk's girlfriend's Instagram feed.
1: Look, she's attractive. They've been together for a while, Pete. I just want to see love bloom. It's not about her. It's about seeing young love of an athlete who's important in my life. Uh, you know, really having that be a fixture in what I'm seeing on a day-to-day basis.
0: Well, it sounds like she's been an important figure in your life as well for how long you've been following her. I might have shot a DM of five years ago.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Something in the hopes it would work out. But yeah, Ozzy Oskin, very attractive girl. Good for Christian Kirk. We'll have a, a nice fallback for his uh, disappointing football season. Uh, the schedule coming up here for the NFL game. Saturday, Cincinnati, Tennessee kicks off 4.30 p.m on cbs san francisco green bay the night game eight fifteen on fox sunday you got the rams at tampa bay 3 p.m on nbc and then the buffalo kansas city game the one that our boy pete will be flying for that everybody's waiting for 6 30 p.m Has that line moved at all actually because i was at 55 and i didn't look to see if it did move
0: oh the line yeah um i thought i oh, had seen it at 54 and a half yeah, yeah. Okay. So a slight
1: drop there. Nothing too
0: crazy. I was hoping it was going to be up to like 59 and a half. I be like, hey, dude, <laughs>
1: the line went up five points just because you're not going to
0: see it. I love that. You are, you're finding joy in me not being able to fully watch this game. You're sick. I just hope it's like, I I think it's
1: funny to me because we have the same thing coming up in a couple of weeks where um, we're doing our baby shower on the uh, NFC, I think NFC championship time. And then uh, my girlfriend Alex was like, yeah, well what if the Eagles make it like, yeah, good fucking good luck with that. I don't think you're gonna have to reschedule (laughs) the baby shower because of that one. Uh, But like, Anytime you schedule things for football, especially if you're, I mean, you plan this for yourself and your whole weekend is being, you know, debaucherous and watching football. But I feel like whenever somebody else schedules something and it's like, oh, that's football time, I just feel like you feel that that sitcom kind of urge to mock the
0: guy and be like, oh, I guess you're going to Home Depot instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I am like looking at my calendar because I did add everything on there and because of, you know, West Coast time, trying to understand it. The game, Bills game starts. To <laughs> Well, I no no, trying to understand my windows here because I land at 10:15 in San Diego. I know I'm not going to be able to see anything on the southwest flight. The game starts at 6:30. Um, I think I'm going to have a 15-minute window if this game is on the longer side I get off the plane, roll to the the airport bar and catch overtime before I hop on my cross-country flight. That, and then I am going to just be hugging strangers' spags. I'm going to become friends with all these Bills fans that are at the bar. It's going to end up being the greatest night of my life. And then I'm going to come back on this show on Monday and say, hey, you fudded my schedule planning, but really it was the greatest moment of my life. I just like you saying, I'm figuring out West Coast time. Like you're working (laughs) through the the geophysics of it all. (laughs) Well, you try juggling west coast uh flight times and game times and layovers and you try to figure out my schedule, genius. <laughs> I, I would love to figure out your schedule. I would also love to figure out Jimmy Garoppolo's
1: schedule, Pete, because he's in the news again, shoulder and thumb injuries, practiced in full yesterday and is expected to play, but has said openly an exact quote saying that he won't be a hundred percent for Saturday night's tilt at green Bay. I know you've got Trey Lance in the thumbnail that people can see over my left shoulder over here. Uh, Trey Lance season looking like it's not going to happen though, because Jimmy G will be out there as a rotting corpse. If he can, how do you feel about his chances here where he's openly talking about injuries to me just makes me, feel not great heading into that Saturday night game.
0: Yeah, it was weird because yesterday I wrote up the newsletter and the rumors and stuff was like, this is bad. You know, he, uh, he seems truly questionable for this weekend's game. I got all excited about potential Trey Lance and then it's oh no he was a full participant at practice yesterday Cam Inman reporter said he was throwing with zip no sign of pain despite the sprained shoulder and thumb i have no doubt he's starting so it's like what i mean who who made that rumor um they should they should be outcasted blackballed from the fantasy football for making me get my hopes up with trey lance Well, here's the thing that also upsets me we could tie this into the
1: two-day slate so i said it in the intro i don't like the two-day dfs slates it's also you know quite frankly if you're a casual player you are not going to be beating the sharp players who are going to be optimizing those lineups and have a 24-hour window like an 18-hour window basically to get where they need to get to for sunday i feel like that's something that dampens my enthusiasm but also, like, you could be dead in the water with Jimmy Garoppolo playing one drive and Trey Lance comes in Saturday night and ends up having the game of his career. And because you didn't play the backup QB at 1% ownership, you'll feel like your lines are completely dead, and they might actually be dead. And I just hate that part of the two-day slates and Jimmy G being the Saturday night uh, Saturday night hammer, I guess you could call him, or whack of a hammer, the Saturday night uh, wimp drill pool noodle, <laughs> whatever you want to call Jimmy G. I just feel like that's sort of, it's a bad construct for a, for a two day slate in particular. And I just feel like to me, this is just, it's bad signs all over the place for how this is going to break down.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I think it's a very, very rough spot. Uh, I I mean, based on the game that Jimmy G played against the Cowboys, like any competent team uh, in that spot would have handled the 49ers when Jimmy G had his meltdown that we all expected. So, yeah, I think this is an incredibly tough spot, but it is also just hard to count out the Niners the way they play football because they can keep games close. Their defense is solid. Um, they can get a pass rush going and they can establish it on the ground. So it's hard to, you know, fully write them off, but it does feel kind of like the, the Pat situation where if the Packers get up 10 points, like, I don't know if this version of the Niners is going to be able to play catch up mode, um, on the road there. The thumb and the shoulder, certainly not great for your QB. And um, and I think, and I, I
1: have to ask you though, do you like the two day slate? Because I, I don't want to fixate it on too much if you feel completely differently. And I know there were some people, uh, the, the FF doctor guy over at Fantasy Footballers I saw was talk, uh, tweeting about that and was like, yeah, like I'm so excited for the two game slate. And I'm sure there are people out there who feel really strongly about it in a positive way. I just hate not being done with that first day. And that's probably been part of my mental barrier with best ball that I've overcome because of uh, the courage of Pete and some of our guests on the show making me feel smarter about things. Uh, But I do think like a two day slate, I just would rather have the two like separate slates and I, I might be alone in that completely.
0: Well, see, yeah, I think we are because I hate the two-game slate. So I'm actually mm-hmm. excited to make a couple lineups for the four-game slate. Uh, I played the three-game slate on Yahoo on uh, Saturday last week. There was uh, ended up being overlay in that, and I enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, the two-game slates, I I think it's just my own playing style. I feel like I, on the main slates or showdown, like I feel like I'm dialed in with how much you know, leverage and how contrarian I need to be, whereas the two game slates kind of just warp my brain with I either tend toward eating too much chalk or getting way too galaxy brain. So I don't know. I always think having more uh, options is better. It's more chances for the field to make mistakes and more chances to, you know, get unique in spot. So I, I enjoy the slow drip of a four gamer.
1: OK, I suppose for me, then I will put plant my flag as not being a fan. And it's mostly because, like, you'll see just so many dead lineups from that Saturday. Who well, it takes like really one guy busting of of some note. So like, let's say if Gio gets steamed up and um, I haven't seen ownership projections yet. I know Osmo updated theirs. And I think, again, accounting for a two game slate, they just it was broken <laughs> for the first run. It was like 12.5 percent of every ownership projection. And they'll get that sorted out over the next, I'm sure, uh, five hours or so. But that was a random assessment of of the time that they'll get the ownership projections fixed. But point being, there will be logical numbers at some point. But for now, I just feel like I don't have any read on the slate. I don't know who's going to be owned and who's not. I just know whoever I have is going to have a snowflake next to their name come Saturday night.
0: Yeah, and uh, Jason here in the chat mentioned that the four game is late swap uh, Mm -hmm. mania. Definitely take advantage of that. And that, to me, is kind of fun because... I one, I still think in general, people aren't late swapping enough. uh, But on top of it, you have more time to gather information. You think about late swapping on a main slate, you're waiting to see how your 1pm guys perform. And literally a touchdown could change whether you want to late swap or not. Whereas with these, you can kind of really think, all right, like I can see where the field is at, you have time to process it, and then realize what you need to get off of. Uh, Although my methodology this weekend will probably not be, uh, that dialed in. Uh, I'm going to be the guy just hand building on my phone and probably forgetting to late swap because that's how it goes when you're on the road.
1: Yeah, and if you are like me and also playing NBA DFS, congratulations, now the NFL it gets a little more like NBA DFS with just the need to late swap to even hit the cash line, and that'll probably be the case this weekend. Other news, Derrick Henry's taking contact in practice. Supposedly we'll have his status for this weekend confirmed on Friday, which is helpful given that they are playing on Saturday. But Derrick Henry getting back in, we know this is a huge one for the Titans. Also one where it could be less of a big deal than people will treat it as, where I think people are going to be running to jam Derrick Henry back into their lineups. And really all it takes is a game script where the Titans uh, get, you know, really just boat raced early on by this Bengals team that we know you put up a lot of points. And I feel like that's something that people need to be aware of too. prepare yourself for the Derrick Henry getting five carries and being game scripted out and just not being healthy enough to go. Like that's a route that could happen, but how are you feeling overall? Let's say without accounting for, you know, the many ways that he can fail, how are you feeling about Derrick Henry's prospects this weekend?
0: Yeah, I agree with your premise that I feel like the field is a little too overconfident. In you know, Derek Henry's ability to just come back and get 25 touches and just be the bulldozer that he's always been. Um, and you see that reflected. I think we'll see it reflected in ownership this weekend. We were talking about even the second chance FFPC playoff contest last night on ship chasing. And just because running back so gross, I think people want to be able to hang their hat on Derek Henry, but, you know, reading up on his stuff yesterday, he, he still hasn't technically been activated. Like you said, he was doing some contract, uh, contact drills at a padded practice, but if he does go, it's going to be with a steel plate in his right foot. And we've also seen, I feel like the cam Akers comp is a fair comp where we saw him come back two weeks ago at week 18, and he got mixed in a little bit, but Sony Michelle was still kind of the lead. And then a week later, in the wild card round, we saw Cam Akers kind of really take the reins as the lead back. And I think that's probably more the trajectory you're going to see with Derrick Henry, where he gets eight to 10 touches. Um, and then if they win, then maybe it's full systems go for Derrick Henry. But I, I don't think he's just this uber smash uh, this week. And we don't even know if he's playing for sure yet.
1: Yeah, and also it is one of those injuries where he probably couldn't keep the conditioning up at the level you'd like because of, as Pete mentioned, a steel plate in your foot. Um, And that's one of those old school pro wrestling things too where it'd be like, oh, this guy has a steel plate in his arm and then he would use it like as a weapon in a match. For your foot in a football game, you probably can't do a whole lot with that either. So it's not even a benefit to uh, his ability to hit people hard and make them feel pain. Um, So I would say for Derrick Henry... Exercise some caution. I would certainly not want to go above the field on Derrick Henry this weekend. I agree with your take. I don't have that level of confidence and um, him just being able to get out there and be full speed. And Deonta Foreman does lurk as a a logical pivot point as well, as we've done in some of the best ball drafts that we've had on underdog. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, full practice on Wednesday. Darrell Williams missed the toe issue. We saw the emergence of Jarek McKinnon last week. Pete, how are you feeling about CEH, Darrell, McKinnon? And I guess, how would you rank the backfield for the Chiefs now with CEH coming back in?
0: Yeah, it's tricky, You know, there's two really – it's, you know, unstoppable force versus immovable object object because Jarek McKinnon looks so good. You say, how do we take the ball out of his hands after what he did? On the other hand, we've seen them repeatedly go back to CEH. You know, CEH misses time, Darrell Williams playing well, and then boom, CEH comes back and is getting the majority of the touches. So I I don't have a good read on this one. Uh, I do think Darrell Williams not practicing and being out will – Clean it up a little bit. I mean, I do feel confident. Jerick McKinnon is going to get work, uh, and I think he's even going to get like his floor to me is like forty percent of the touches. Um, I think you should probably get eighty percent of them, but I just don't know in what band that they are going to give Ceh. I think optimal would be you know seventy to eighty percent for McKinnon, and then let you know Ceh work in maybe on early downs a bit more, just because McKinnon looks so good and explosive. Uh, in the passing game. So I'm kind of willing to, I think a nice comp, and we were talking about this even on the Swolecast yesterday, is kind of Leonard Fournette last year where he kind of emerged, surprised everyone. People weren't banking on him being their bell cow back. And then it took multiple weeks for the field to kind of buy this new reality. And I could see that happening with McKinnon where it's like, yeah, this is this, you know, beleaguered guy who has never really hit in the NFL. Despite all this promise, he just flashed in the pan. We're back to CH where I'm kind of willing to buy low on, you know, the field coming around on that and just jam Jarek McKinnon kind of trusting that he is the bell cow. And Jerry McKinnon, too,
1: I, I agree with your take, Sue, that he did offer a lot in the passing game that feels like a kind of a missing weapon for what the Chiefs have done with their attack overall. We're just having a guy out of the backfield. I know CEH in the beginning of his career was getting that Marshall-Fall comparison, a guy who can have a lot of targets out of the backfield be productive but he's kind of just settled into a run between the tackles guy with a few targets here and there whereas it felt like Jerry mckinnon was like a lively part of that offense that you know, maybe it's just him coming off the pine after not playing a whole lot for basically the last like three years uh but i think in this spot i agree with your take that ceh i don't expect to get the full workload darrell williams i think is now a clear number three maybe looms is a low owned gpp play on a slate where you still need to find a couple of those start throws and hope that they do uh pop off but Jarek McKinnon looked explosive the past game thing. It feels like maybe they discovered something they didn't even realize was there. Um, so I agree. There's enough reservation in this backfield that maybe you don't trust any of them too heavily. Uh, the Bucks: Cyril Grayson, Brashad, Perriman, and Ronald Jones did not practice on Wednesday. Leonard Fournette, according to Bruce Arians is a quote unquote, wait and see. And also John Brown, apparently might get called up from the Bucks practice squad if Perriman and presumably Cyril Grayson miss again. Uh, the bucks pretty banged up, Pete. We saw them really rise to the occasion last week in a game against the Eagles that ended up looking closer than it really was. And I feel like in this spot against the Rams, you probably want to see him be closer to full health. And I don't know who to trust here besides, I guess, Evans and Gronk.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think Evans and Gronk are, are going to be very, very solid. This backfield stuff, it's it's similar to the Chiefs where there's so much in flux here. You know, Fournette had his quote yesterday on Twitter where he basically all but said, oh no, I'll be out there uh, on Sunday ready to go. And then you have the Arians quote from yesterday where he said Leonard Fournette is still in wait and see and he'll know more on all the injuries with a full practice Thursday. So I was... When, when Fournette was not activated on Saturday, uh, I thought that was pretty bearish for his overall health just because you had to assume, you know, depleted of all those weapons that they would have wanted to get him back if he was any bit close. And the fact that the team just does not seem to like Vaughn or Bernard or kind of prefer to have them getting the majority of the touches. So I, I'm not convinced that Fournette is going to be a full go. That said, once he is activated and they say he's going to start, I do think they won't hesitate to give him, you know, back to 80, 90%. Like this isn't like the Darrell Williams scenario where he might've gotten, you know, Wally pipped while he was out by Jarek McKinnon. Like this team is going to give Fournette the carries if he's healthy.
1: Yeah, I would agree. But the hamstring has been an issue for him basically his entire career. So that's something I think, including in college, Uh, something to keep in mind there. You are taking on a a little bit of risk if you are going to try to trot Fournette out there. But um, I think he's certainly the most appealing option. I realize now, too, I've watched your other shows where you drink coffee. I have not seen you tap into a literal coffee pitcher for yourself while while doing a show. That is an impressive commitment to coffee.
0: Yeah, you know, I, uh, uh, my wife got up early, makes the pot of coffee, and then I steal it and bring it into the office so I can refill while I'm uh, on the show. Well, my
1: girlfriend did not wake up this morning and went down to our guest bedroom at like 3 a.m. because I don't know, she couldn't sleep or
0: something. So I had to take the dogs out
1: before the show threw me for a wrinkle. So it seems like we are living, living disparate lives, Pete.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you also have a child on the way. So, um, you know, you're, you're in a new reality. Oh, God, it is a terrible reality. Some of the chat was saying, oh, yeah,
1: enjoy not sleeping, all of that coming <laughs> before. And Frederick saying, mm, the poor. I guess the people do want your coffee noises, and that's uh, make sure you can really ASMR that up.
0: They, uh, I was listening to Levitan's solo pod from I think it was this week or last week, and he was talking about how – You know, when you have a kid and, you know, people want to have small talk and be like, isn't it like the greatest thing ever? And he looked at this, it must've been like a friend of his wife. And he was like, no, it's fucking awful. It's been all and she like went white on her face. He's like, I, I can't lie about that first, you know, few months of having a kid. It, it truly is awful. So you do have that to look forward to.
1: One of my best friends, Sue, also had his baby uh with his significant other and a little girl. And it's like, I'm now gonna see everything that's gonna be coming down the pipeline six weeks in advance. And then also, like, if if their baby's like fantastic, apparently the first night the baby didn't wasn't crying, just like kind of slept it off and whatever, and was well swaddled and went to bed. But if like if their baby is like perfect and Ours is a fucking demon out of hell. It is going to really put a damper in our our friendship. One of my closest friends since high school. You're saying that
0: you would have baby jealousy of looking over at that other baby. baby. Yeah, baby (laughs) of me. Yes. Why couldn't my baby be as sleepy as yours? (laughs) Yeah, this your adorable sleeping baby. Mine
1: is just up climbing the walls like some sort of demon spawn, which, yeah, quite frankly, might be. Other injuries, bangles and rams. Seemingly completely healthy. Uh, ben Skronek, I think, was the only guy who's having some issues for the Rams. But uh, Rams really ebbing in the right direction. The Bengals have pretty much been healthy all year long, I guess, besides some defensive issues. But uh, these two teams, feet, I feel like at a certain point, probably have to look at it as an advantage that they're not having to deal with any of these moving parts and just reintroducing guys or getting guys healthy and hoping they can hang on.
0: Yeah. Uh, I really, I really want the Bengals, uh, to be a thing. And they, to me, they're kind of like the anti-Cowboys, right? Where they had the personnel to go really pass happy, happy, lean into this explosive offense. And, and they're actually doing that. They, they really kind of changed their identity. They had that stretch there for a while where they were extremely, uh, pass heavy. Uh, I was actually just writing up, uh, the newsletter today, and was checking out Rich Rebar's worksheet over at Sharp Football. And he had this interesting stat that the Bengals have thrown the ball on 62.8% of their first and second down snaps outside of the fourth quarter in each of their past three games. Prior to that point, the Bengals had thrown the ball on 51% of those early down snaps. Burrow has rewarded that faith, completing 75% of those passes for 635 yards, five touchdowns and zero interceptions. So to me, that's the hallmark of a smart team that's willing to throw early. You know, the typical pattern for the boomer offense is right, is run it twice and then you're in third and long and then you'll finally capitulate and throw the Bengals just coming out playing to their strengths, I think that bodes really, really well for their success and what I think will still be a tough road spot in Tennessee. Yeah, and they could certainly, you know,
1: s- flush a game away with Joe Mixon too, a guy who is uh, as qualified of a running back a guy who can get 30 touches and be useful with them. But I agree, like Zach Taylor coming in, I kind of thought when with his coaching pedigree and the tree that he was in so a lot of the young, buzzy coaches that he's worked for, that he would come out and start slinging it. And he really did run the ball at a high rate. But I think it could be kind of a case like Nick Sirianni for the Eagles, where you're just trying to uh, lean to your team strengths. Now the team's strength is clearly the passing game. And they have a potential, you know, really every round to blow teams away and at least make it tough on. On, you know these teams coming back from a touchdown or two deficit so I'm with you I think trying to keep it passing would be a logical move and uh and the Bengals being healthy and the Rams as well I think you got to give them a little bit of a plus sign even if the books aren't doing that and one news item Pete that I'm just going to throw out there it's not related to the playoffs even though this team was in the playoffs but I just saw this on uh the BetSports app actually just coming through the news right before the show QB Dwayne Haskins expected to get a chance at number one job in Pittsburgh. (laughs) It was a headline. If you are a Steelers fan, would that be the darkest timeline? I think that's even darker than Mason Rudolph. It would be.
0: It would be perfect because Dwayne Haskins in a lot of ways, I feel like, Big Ben current version of Big Ben and Dwayne Haskett are like the Spider-Man meme. It's just like, it seems like you'd get the exact product, maybe a little less accuracy on your, your five yard throws. Uh, but man, that would absolutely be devastating as a Steelers fan is this is how you're transitioning into the next era. I think every
1: offseason there's probably some similar notes, but I'm really excited for this offseason just to see how these guys all, you know, how this all works out because this is probably setting up to be one of the biggest QB carousels and it's not a great draft class coming in either. There's only like, I think uh, one to three QBs people feel pretty good about. And even then not as good as the last few years. I just think this is really an off season where uh, we're going to earn our bones doing this show, Pete, because we're going to have to track a lot of movements and, and stupid trade rumors that
0: probably have no basis in reality. Yeah. Paul here in the chat saying he wants Pitt to trade a draft pick for Derek Carr. I mean, this is, we are entering that territory too, where they're the Derek Carr types, you know, just the, they're not, uh, what would be the term? Like they're not elevators. Like they're not going to make your, you know, offensive players better in the way that the elite QBs do, but just being baseline competent could make you a playoff team. Whereas these guys are going to become so valuable because there are so many situations where the quarterback play just prevents a team from even having a chance in the playoffs. Like the Broncos are the perfect example. I think they're a really well-rounded team, explosive playmakers, but if you do not have even just a baseline competent quarterback, just good night game over, you're not competing in this league. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see with the draft, with the free agents. I'm still mad that the Broncos didn't take a stab, Uh, At a running or a quarterback in this draft, I thought that was a mistake passing on fields just as a process standpoint. So I don't know these teams need to be taking as many stabs through free agency through draft at quarterbacks because you have no chance without one. Yeah, and raising the floor, I think, is what you're talking about with these
1: QBs, where a guy like Carr just gets you to a more credible level of weeks a week of just being able to do something and give you, you know 250 to 300-plus passing yards that he can do. And I'm with you. I think that Carr, personally, like, I don't think he goes to Pittsburgh. I think that the Raiders run it back. I think they saw enough from Bisacchi that they think they can probably uh, make some strides. But new GM, maybe, maybe a new coach as well. Uh, who knows how that'll go. And hopefully, uh, for Steelers fans out there, hopefully they'll get somebody better than Dwayne Haskins. Um, what do we want to do next? Pete, we could do the ride or die picks for the divisional round. We could do, I don't know if we want to do a playoff best ball today for the call returns. We can do that as well. Uh, what's in your heart and also, you know, Nana,
0: Pete, Pete, old people love waking up, <sighs> up early too. I'm down for any of that. I do think, uh, we did a mitten draft last night on ship chasing and, uh, okay. it was fun. So I, I'd be happy to, uh, to do a mitten draft right now before we do ride or die, if you'd like.
1: All right. Yeah, let's do that. We'll do a little mitten draft. Of course, we are playing over at underdog for all of our best balls. And they've been rolling out even more best ball contests, I think, as uh, perhaps at a surprise. The mitten returning, I did not know was on the radar. And I, I granted, I have not joined the partner discord yet, which is on my to-do list. Uh, so sorry, Andrew, if you're, if you're listening to this one. Uh, but I do think the mitten being back, fun one, low price tag, you don't have to pay the $25. So that is a positive for the people out there who've been seeing our playoff best balls and want to get a little taste for themselves
0: yes uh i'm guessing this will be a friends and family draft uh people joining uh here with us this morning uh i'm assuming are watching and yes on the partner discord thing uh all the chatter in there is like i can't believe spags isn't in here yeah it's just spent a lot of shit talking just everybody being really mean to me and
1: being like oh spag don't even let him in don't even like he he can't know about the mitten returns we can't
0: give the plebes access like that yeah uh all right, we do get Willis in here. I every single one of these drafts that I've done, and I've only done a few of these new ones. I was inverted is in them. This guy is just absolutely blasting off on these drafts. Um, doesn't matter what hour. He was in our draft last night on ship chasing at like 10 30 p.m. And now he's in this one, you know, 12 hours later. I mean, what a grinder. What a grinder. And Willis is awesome in the chat. What a what a fist that guy seems like, huh? Yeah. Willis in a mitten. Willis would never miss an on-stream mitten. Paul, you're inverted. You're sick. You're in every draft. <laughs> you can tell by the Spike Week logo. This is a man committed to
1: best ball. Of course, our friend Eric Bime for a show. But uh, now you know why he's grinding. He knows that it's plus EV to jam as many into the mitten as possible.
0: Yeah, he heard, he heard us on Ship Chasing talking through uh, the strategy. Although we actually liked our team that we drafted last night. And we had the 101 last night. And we built, just so you know, we built a Green Bay and uh, Bengals uh, Super Bowl kind of stack. So what would you like to do here? It can be a dealer's choice. I was thinking Green
1: Bay because we have not gotten the Devontae Adams portion of things. We have gotten a lot of Aaron Jones, but I think at this point, you know, leveraging off of that a little for our our remaining best ball teams that we drafted on here feel like seems logical.
0: Yeah, and uh, that other team that we did draft um, on stream is still looking uh, looking good.
1: We lost the two cards, unfortunately, in that one, which would have been nice to have. uh, Whatever else besides uh, Christian Kirk and Chase Edmonds, but um, yeah, the bill stack—the bill stack alone could carry us. I know there was some. This is a question for you, Pete, and I know you probably have talked about ownership chasing a little bit because you and Gretchen Crane are so deep in the world and even doing your own ownership projections for FFPC. Like, are you accounting for ownership at all with this stuff? Like, it's probably too late now, but like that bill stack, I worry after reading some Twitter threads that um, like we drafted a really good team, but. Probably a pretty highly owned one that's going to be duped a lot.
0: Yeah, I think there's some concern with that. Um, I do think the place where you get unique is with your last round pick because it's it's impossible to avoid the fact that the majority of the players you draft are going to be drafted in every contest. And then you reverse engineer that. People are likely stacking teams. And so I think you know the groupings of players will have more overlap um, and that's why I do think, you know, getting weird with that last pick. Like last night, we were lamenting in a Burrow onslaught that we should have taken P Ryan as our last pick. Just knowing there are logical outs here, we're playing for the Bengals to go to the Super Bowl. What if Joe Mixon gets hurt? It would be nice to have a running back from our Super Bowl side that we're projecting. Yada yada, um, and that would have been a contrarian pick that probably gets drafted in less than ten percent of drafts. So I do thinking. I think being smart about where you're getting contrarian is a way to do it. Like there's no point in taking a fifth round pick with your one-on-one overall pick to get unique because he's still going to be drafted and people are just going to have him later than you. So I do think those last couple rounds are where you can justifiably get get funky. So it looks like we got scooped on the
1: Bengals pretty well as well as our own Packers stack. So what do we, what do, we do now? I, I so kinda...
0: I was, I was going to say good Titan. God. I was going to say, yeah, Diggs would have been a smash if he fell to us. But I think we double tap Titans here. Yeah, I think it's Titans. And again, this goes back to, you know, how just for... I'm going to pick A.J. Brown first, just ceremoniously. (laughs) Um, spiteful towards (laughs) Terrence. I got to lower his ADP a little bit. But I do think if we... If I was playing the Titans as a loss, I would be happy to fade Henry and maybe grab Foreman and play that. But, like, if we're playing for a Titans Green Bay Super Bowl, like, Henry's gonna need to be rolling. So, I I do think that tells a logical story.
1: Yeah, and I think we're in the same spot we were the other day. Where we're gonna we're gonna have to take Tannehill again, and um, it's it's funny because like the getting the Titans, like we talked about the five thirty eight numbers and how just having that bye week being the number one seed getting that home game is so big towards all the simulations and how these teams should advance. And I think that's something where like we shouldn't be falling back into Titan stacks I think I don't think like I think people are really undervaluing them too much and um we got fucked on all our other stacks like Green Bay we're gonna be you know pretty screwed on and all that but I think the Titans like the fact that they're basically free in these drafts and you could still get the full construct it doesn't seem like the most logical to me
0: yeah I agree with you i, I think quarterbacks got overdrafted uh in this one mm-hmm. probably like Um, I was inverted has a couple outs now because he can sit and wait, um, knowing he has both Cooper cup and, uh, Joe burrow. We could still make a pivot. Um, if we did want to build around one of those QBs, we'll see if he grabs one now. Um, and it's also really hard to know. I'm guessing Willis won't take another quarterback. Um, I never know with some of these other guys, you know, if they're willing to do it. And I was inverted as smart. He knows we're not going to take Joe Mixon, right? So he can grab T Higgins, keep building out that this really nice bangle stack and know he's going to have it coming back. We kind of have the same luxury. I I think we can probably roll the dice uh, on not taking Tannehill here and really building out our skill position. So I would say Dylan is obviously a great pick for us here just because we are playing for that Super Bowl. but Mm -hmm. who would be the other kind of skill position player you'd want to take if we kick the Tannehill can down the road? I think,
1: I mean, I think Dylan's the move um, because at this point too, we have, we have Adam. So like we can't go to our usual Niners uh, grouping either. Um, yeah. I think to me, it's, I, I think it's Dylan. I don't feel like. there's Yeah. Right.
0: So yeah, no, Dylan was the lock, but who do you think for this? Oh, for the next one. Oh, um,
1: who? Okay. So I don't I, think we should go AFC. I think we should just keep riding with the Titans. So I might
0: take acres just at the other side of the bracket. I I agree with that take um, because we don't want to take 49ers. So we're kind of looking at Rams, Tampa Bay. There's no good Tampa Bay. I would also entertain chiefs or bills. Um, but uh, I do think acres probably represents the kind of best pick for this build. And I just think too, like based on what we were talking about
1: a, you know, a couple of rounds ago, like with the Titans, people just aren't drafting that full Titans stack and prioritizing them. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I think if we are prioritizing them, I think that we can get sort of whatever we want of the NFC flotsam and hope that we can get maybe a few different matchups while getting that full Titan stack without,
0: um, you know, paying too much of an ADP. This is a really interesting dynamic to watch play out in these drafts, just because everyone's you know obviously trying to build around two Super Bowl teams, and so there's not enough teams you know, in the same way there was in the first contest where everyone could kind of stay out of each other's way. Like you look at Debo and not the player, this, uh, <laughs> this user here in Tanner, they were both building chiefs, Tampa Bay stacks. So they keep getting in each other's way. You know, Jarrett gets sniped here. So he settles for CH comes back and grabs Pringle. Um, it's just interesting to see when two teams are on the exact same, uh, stack there. Yeah, and I think that's sort of the appeal of the Titans is they're really not competing with like, nobody's competing with you to get to the
1: Titans. And at a certain point, you know, they are the one seed. I think there's probably some advantage, like you usually don't get advantage of taking the chalk or, you know, one of the higher odds teams. And you can get that with the Titans for
0: whatever reason. So one thing I will say here is we can, we could totally pivot um, to a Stafford as well. Um, if we wanted to, I think that's viable. Um, if you didn't want to do the Tannehill thing again,
1: no, I'm, I'm riding with Tennessee. I think we do Tannehill. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, I am completely fine with that. Um, but it was interesting that he was there. And just because we had also already made a bet on, you know, the Rams, we could theoretically play for a Rams Titan mm-hmm. Bowl where the Rams upset, um, green Bay. The problem is, is we probably end up adding on what van jefferson and higby but we don't have Kup or odell with our stafford stack which isn't ideal
1: yeah i would agree i think stafford hits the highest heights largely because cup or um really just cop i think but odell too we saw from what we saw on monday night i think you can say probably in line for a bigger playoff role than he's had and uh, also debo's in the chat Derek richards so there we go so we got everybody in the spot you were right it's a friends and family draft here in the mitten that's right um
0: let's see tanner reveal yourself now, uh, <laughs> and uh, elusive Vegas. Uh, although based on the name, it might be hard to. Honestly, though, out. these
1: guys, you know, another advantage of watching Splash Play is that now Willis and Derek and uh, Paul all know that we are doing a certain draft strategy. And these other guys who are on underdog right now, no idea, because they might not even know Splash Play exists.
0: No, I mean they're probably laughing because they've done, you know, in the same way on the initial gauntlet, I had done. You know, 50 plus of those drafts, you know, the ADP inside out, you know, how to push things. I've, I've only done three or four of these uh, second chance ones. And so I'm, I'm still feeling out the ADP, just talking it out as I go. So they're probably laughing at us being like, Oh, young Padawan, we've already been through this stage of our gauntlet return journey less anarchist than that last draft we
1: did on Monday where there's no there's no like uh people completely upsetting the stack approach like everybody was going for and competing for similar stacks but it does seem like this is more of a a gentleman's draft room.
0: It is. Yeah, other than this Debo Tanner uh Tampa Bay KC battle which has been fun to play out, we got a Hardman Geo here um And it is in this contest. I do think this is the GTO strat where it's just like figure out your Super Bowl and then just hammer it (laughs) because all the good skill position players from even the losing teams are already gone, right? Like it's not like you're getting huge discounts on the underdog best players because those points are so valuable. So in these rounds, it's just correlate, correlate, correlate.
1: Yeah, we're looking at our Revenge of Kevin Dyson Super Bowl where the Titans come back and barnstorm everybody when they the whole world is turned on them. And yet, oh, there we go, Tanner's in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we just need Elusive. Elusive Vegas, are you in the chat? This feels good. It feels like we are really hitting the audience we need to, except that they've <sighs> already used the promo code to get on, to get on,
0: to get on your talk. Yeah, spag's always hustling here. Um, Wow, so interesting that Stafford's still hanging around. I do guess Willis would maybe take him. If not... Um, I think we can entertain chiefs and bills, and I think we can entertain, um, more Rams. So who do you want? I would go more Rams. I think, uh, shit, shit, shit. Uh, I just panicked and put, uh, Demarcus Robinson <laughs> <laughs> in cause we didn't settle on anything.
1: We can also, I mean, Westbrook
0: Keen is there. <laughs> we really want to round out Tennessee. I don't mind. I mean, we are already so pot committed in Tennessee going far. Um, that I say we can we can toss him in there why not I mean because I feel like we have enough at running back like we
1: could maybe take a Tampa Bay guy just to hedge off of acres the, the only other people.
0: thing if we want to play like Bills you know grab a Beasley there but let's just grab Westbrook I, look
1: I, I think hoarding a market on Tennessee again not a popular take and I'm willing to ride with that one because that's what the, the hand we got dealt here Devonte Adams and a bunch of Tennessee assholes yeah Tennessee has
0: so the in a perfect world, just construction wise, I would love, but I don't even. We didn't even have the ability to do it. Like I would love if Demarcus Robinson was say Van Jefferson, um, and basically then we have our Tennessee onslaught. That's good for a Green Bay Super Bowl or a Ram Super Bowl. Um, but uh, it's not a huge deal because we've onslotted this. Like, even if we get uh, a Ram Super Bowl, we'll be happy to take the Acres points, but we'll be going against a lot of Cooper cup teams where it would have been nice to have like a little bit more ammo in a Rams Titans Super Bowl. And then now we got even more
1: Titans potentially here. Deonta Foreman, Anthony Furks are all the good Titans bubbling up here in ADP.
0: Yeah, this is where I'm not even, I mean, all these guys are such thin dart throws that I don't think taking Deontay Foreman is even necessarily bad.
1: I also wouldn't mind taking DeGuara just to get another Packer in. Yeah, I think that's fine too which is not something I I would honestly it might be the first time we've said Josiah DeGuara's name all year long but he's been playing snaps every week just not doing much.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to envision him sneaking into our lineup but you you never know. Yeah,
1: you, never you never know. know. Give you a touchdown and a, you know two catches in the Super Bowl and that could be enough to get into your flex.
0: Yeah, I th- I think I'm with you. We we made a huge bet on Henry. Um I say we go uh, Deguara and beef up our our Green Bay position. All right. And then there we go. Let's see here. So here is our team. Um, We can check the other. uh, Willis played this Bills-Rams Super Bowl here. Um, Interesting that, uh, Willis, I thought for sure you were going to maybe tack on uh, a second quarterback just because Stafford was such an extreme value there. Um, I probably would have been tempted to add Stafford um, just with your Odell Van stack, but certainly can't blame you for riding just with Josh Allen. I was inverted, did kind of backdoor this, and this is the kind of sharp move here uh, from, you know, he grabs Higby knowing that Stafford might come back and be cheap for him there to pair with burrow. And I do think that quarterback pairing makes more sense. Like Willis made such a big bet on Josh Allen. Like he needs three big Josh Allen games. Whereas with the burrow, you didn't invest as much draft capital, just fifth round. So grabbing both an AFC and an NFC quarterback at those costs makes sense to me. Debo. I don't love taking three quarterbacks. Um, I don't mind taking the flyer on the 49ers, but I would kind of pick your stand there. Mm -hmm. Um, and not go with both of them. Uh and probably Jimmy G at this point just knowing that he practiced in full. Um but yeah, these are these are nice teams. Elusive does the Green Bay kind of onslaught without Adams, which is always kind of scary because it's like if the Green Bay makes a really, you know, nice Super Bowl run, it's hard to envision Adams not being a big part of it, but right. you know, you put the chips down where you can.
1: Yeah, I like, I think Paul, uh, I was inverted team. I think it's pretty solid. The fact that he got Stafford and Higby, like he got all the core parts of that Rams team and he's live for a Rams-Bengals Super Bowl, which, you know, would be very high scoring. And like, he got the best parts of the Bengals too. Like, I think Paul had a really good draft. Yeah, Paul's
0: Paul's draft is definitely my favorite. Being able to draft Cup and you're already making, like you need, you need two games from Cup, you know, at least. Um, But because cup is so good, he could definitely still be viable in in two games. So to then get his quarterback in the ninth round uh, is just a really, really nice run out for him in Uzoma too. In the last round, like that's, you know, it's a guy who
1: actually can spike an upside, did spike an upside already once. Like, you know, it's not going to happen every round, but um, like he got every angle for the Bengals and that team we just talked about, like they're so high scoring potentially.
0: Yeah. um, I like that. I I do think it's the play now that we're down to, uh, just these eight teams of just pick your super bowl and uh and load up on them yeah, the downside
1: for paul is that our titan stack is going to knock him out after one round but he it did a is. great job for that one round
0: he did it was it was cute the effort but um you know the titans are are going to the super bowl now all right, we got
1: through about 50 minutes of this show, so let's hit our ride-or-die picks. And if you're watching live or after the fact, please hit the like button if you can. And also, go to Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars and a review. We haven't been pushing that hard here, but I do think at the end of the season, what we're going to do is read some of the our favorite reviews from the year and because um, we're going to have to fill a lot more fucking air time. <laughs> or the USFL hits the street. So please uh, leave us five stars Interview an Apple podcast. If you make it funny, you got a good shot of getting right on the show, but also just, you know, make it nice. Make it, make us seem good. If somebody's coming across Apple podcast, they see that review of yours and they go, oh, these guys seem pretty cool. Maybe you'll get us a fan and that's all we can ask for here so we can give them a sweet underdog promo code. Keep talking through it, Specs. <laughs> ride or die picks uh the game is uh i think last week we tied we both had one 10 pointer i don't think that accounts for monday night football but at this point we're just playing for fun because pete won the regular season and that's bullshit uh but let's do the ride or die picks for this four game uh weekend divisional round cincinnati 21.8 implied points tennessee 25.3 implied points three and a half point favorite here for titans pete what do you want as your first ride or
0: die pick for our our saturday game yeah um so I want to do something involving T Higgins. Um, I think he's kind of the forgotten man right now on the Bengals beat after, you know, Burrow, Mixon, and Jamar Chase. Um, can I get a 10-pointer if T Higgins is the uh, highest scoring uh, non-QB in this game? So over Chase, A.J. Brown, Henry Mixon? highest man that's a lot of guys um it doesn't
1: feel like a 10 point i feel like plus two and a half i would give over everybody okay so yes i'll score score my two and a half
0: um what about how about i just can i toss in the quarterbacks
1: if you toss in the quarterbacks i'll give it to you all right Okay. Right, so ten pointer yeah. for highest scoring guy T Higgins. I actually, do like that call. I was thinking about T Higgins for two hundred yards might be a move, but I will go. You know, I'll double down. I'm a I'm a Titans believer because we did one draft on the show. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, highest scoring position player in the game, is that a ten pointer?
0: Um. Highest scoring of all of the positions. Yeah, I guess
1: his highest scoring player. Yeah. No, I mean he's pro- defense, so,
0: yeah. he's projecting as the second highest. You you would need to see this is like the same bet I'm making, but with an extra five to six projected points on Higgins.
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah,
0: three is what I'm seeing.
1: But okay, I, I get where you're going with that. Um, all right, Hill outscores everybody by two and a half, or no, by because it's more than Higgins by. I'll, I'll give you four and a half.
0: Four and a half. Done. Okay, fair.
1: Next game up, San Francisco. Fucking these, these Titans are going to, I, this was my pick weeks ago. It was like the Titans are going to get boat raced and not make it out of one round. And now I'm just hedging everything. And apparently the biggest Titans believer Niners, 20.5 implied points. Green Bay, 26.5 implied points. Uh, the line has moved a little bit down in terms of the over under uh, Pete. Actually, you know, I'll, I'll go. F- no, you, you know, I'll be nice. Pete, you can go first. It's a morning show. Why not? Let's, it's all positive energy right now. Um, Ten pointer. George Kittle outscores Devonte Adams. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that's that's a
0: reasonable one. All right, um, book it. Probably not
1: a, more of a seven or eight, I guess. But yeah, you know, it's tis the season. Is
0: what we tis are. the season. Thank you. Um,
1: I will say, what if Debo Samuel were to double the score of George Kittle? Is that a ten pointer?
0: Debo Samuel were to double the score. Mm, double plus uh two and a half it's a difference of two points in the projection not the projections i'm saying i'm seeing 20 <laughs> points and 14 six point gap all right well so it was
1: double plus what two plus two plus one and a half
0: no i said two and a half first so you were supposed to negotiate back down to two. Oh, okay i guess plus two then <laughs> Yes.
1: Okay, fine, done.
0: Uh, Sunday's games, we got the Rams,
1: 22.8 implied points. Tampa Bay, 25.8 implied points. Kind of surprising. A little bit of a low total in this one, Pete, but I will go first, uh, and I will take um, Mike Evans, over 200 receiving yards. Is that a 10-pointer? Yeah. Okay,
0: I'll take that. Uh, I will give you that. Um, Can I get 10 points if Gronk scores two touchdowns? uh i mean that that's one of those that
1: probably is like that uh, the odds do match up it doesn't feel like a 10 pointer but i think that is a 10 pointer thank you uh i also don't like i don't know why i picked the 200 yards thing i feel like that was just in my head from the (laughs) the t higgins part and mike evans is gonna get 200 yards Two hundred yards is a big old number. It's like one fifty at a touchdown, maybe two hundred yards. Not the most likely. Hey, you know it's too bad it's written in stone now. That is that's sure. We actually Willis etches these like Moses into it. <laughs> that's a right time. Buffalo twenty six point three implied points. Kansas City twenty eight point three implied points. The marquee game nobody could ever imagine missing. I knew you were gonna do this. <laughs> Pete, what do you want?
0: Um. Yes, I will. Ten pointer if I'm able to pull up a stream of this on a Southwest flight to internet. Uh,
1: that's going to be a one pointer. We believe in the good
0: people at Southwest. No, there's, uh, there's, promo there's
1: a, over at Southwest.
0: That, that would be a fucking one thousand pointer. Being able to stream <laughs> on a Southwest flight. Um, let's see here. Ah, I, I want this to be a Stefan Diggs game. Just let's just go full Yolo. Stefan Diggs ten pointer, highest scoring player in the game, including the QBs. Wow. Okay. Um. I will
1: go. I'll go a different direction here, and I'll you know I'll lean into uh, the narrative here that I've not played that maybe this game will be uh, less interesting than it seems. No Kansas City Chiefs player over twenty fantasy points. Is
0: that a ten pointer? And that includes it includes Mahomes. Mahomes. Yeah, I'll give that to you. Between Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey, not over twenty would be and the running backs. Yeah, I'll give that to you all right just chop it all up bills so a bad game and incredibly spread out for the chiefs that's your thesis that's what i'm hoping yeah so you you get
1: pringle maybe at like 14 tyreek at 18 kelsey at 15 all right all right it it seems possible if you think about it it does it does seem possible i I do like the bills uh in this spot yeah the bills i also who if you were to go through it just to kind of fully cement things pick your winners too for each game and so who I think is
0: gonna win or who I want to win? Um <laughs> give both. So that way you can <laughs> get a little bit of rightness on each side. Okay. Um I really, really want the Bengals to win. I think the Titans are gonna win. Um I uh I want the Bills to win, and I think the Bills are going to win. I want the Niners to win, but I, I definitely think the Packers are going to win. Um and man, this last game, I I'm not excited about either of these teams. Um, I guess I would say I would want a Rams upset, uh, but I think the Bucs are going to win. I think I want a Rams upset, and I think I expect
1: them to win. I think they're just a little healthier and a little more equipped at this point of the year. Um, Cincinnati, I I would agree I want Cincinnati to win, but I do think Tennessee has, I think Tennessee is getting slept on too much at this point, as we just saw in our draft. Uh, Niners, I think, are not going to win. I would have liked them to win as well. And then the Bills and Chiefs. Um, I think the Bills win this one. And I think, I think I want them to win too. I want this to be the Josh Allen coordination season. I've decided after, like, he played, honestly, regressed pretty hard this year. But that, that first round was so fun. Like, Josh Allen being good, I think, is the most fun thing in football right now.
0: I agree. And the, the reason I want the Bengals to win so bad is because a Bengals, Bills, or Bengals, Chiefs is really, really fun. Uh, AFC championship game, because we know that though that could just be an insane, um, shootout potential with how fast the Bengals play, like in the bills, don't take the foot off the gas. I mean, Bengals bills would just be electric. And we didn't get that matchup this year. We did get the Bengals chiefs kind of shootout game. Uh, so just for the sake of entertainment, um, I think we really want to see, uh, the Bengals win here. Yeah. And
1: I think that's why the Titans win is <laughs> because we never get those matchups we really want. But I do agree. For the people of Cincinnati and Buffalo, too, like Kansas City's had their runs, the Titans, you know, like I don't really care that much about their fans, but Buffalo and Cincinnati fans care so much. Like the people in those bars who got uh, game balls from Zach Taylor in Cincinnati were so stoked. And Buffalo, we all know the Bills Mafia thing, but um, two teams that probably not the biggest markets, but could lead to some of the most fun AFC title games. Pete, what are your plugs here? What are your final
0: shows before you go hit the road? No no final shows. Uh, I am done with shows. Uh, Spags, do you want to know my my actual itinerary before I go to the airport? Yeah, please.
1: Tell, tell everybody. Where, where are they going to find you at various airports around the country?
0: Yeah, so no. First, uh, I am going to go finish the newsletter. I am going to try to get a workout in. Uh, I need to finish packing. Um, and then, yeah, I'll head to the airport around uh, 2 p.m. Uh, today, Spags, if you're trying to keep uh, a radar on me. Okay, hey, cool. I'm going to go do some Zoom calls.
1: <laughs> Fun day here. Uh, our fence is getting installed Tuesday. That's my plug. So if you're working for Lowe's and you're installing a fence in the Havertown, Pennsylvania area, come say hi to, to me when you're installing the fence. Uh, follow at Splash Play Pod. Follow at Peter Oversette. Follow at Chris Spags. We'll be back Monday at the usual time, right, Pete?
0: Yeah, I'll be good. I, 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 Monday is going to be rough for me. I'm, I land in Boston after the red eye at like 5 a.m., but my hope is I can get a nice, you know, three to four hour nap and then be uh be ready to go. All right. And we hope you guys have a successful weekend of games. Go get some drafts in on underdog as well. Make sure to go to
1: footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Ninety-nine cents a week are the packages on there. And one more time, follow at Peter Rivers at follow at Chris Spags. And maybe Pete'll post some hijinks from his travel. I think who who
0: knows, huh? You know, who knows? Because bags, if you, this is, <laughs> if you guys promise to at me with play by play of the Bills Chiefs game so I can just kind of read it in my mentions, I will promise to give you some Lake Tahoe content
1: yeah, send Pete some sick gifts have the game going on. Maybe <laughs> I'll have a good time and shout out to chat as well. Hanging out this bright and early. Appreciate Frederick Willis, Derek, Ryan, six, Paul. I'm just naming the, ch- the chat names the same there, there. We do appreciate all you guys hanging out and we'll see you again Monday. Enjoy your weekends. Good luck. Thank <music> you.